for me it's trusting God that if we create the right environment he can do everything else and not trying to be the fixers or the the judges and I know that a lot of people from the gay community don't feel welcomed in church how do we make people feel welcome and open homes to people and give people a chance to to, to meet Jesus and let Jesus do the work Welcome everybody, this is Simon Gilbo with Inspired. It's great to be back for another week. If you're new to us, Inspired is all about meeting different friends of mine from different walks of life who've all had an amazing, challenging, stirring, interesting, inspiring journey of faith. And, you know, we are relentlessly bombarded by bad news in this culture. So much fear mongering and so much anxiety. And we just want to come against that and, and share good news stories. And I know that this week you're going to be really encouraged and stirred in your faith because we got with us Sarah Sedgwick. Welcome Sarah. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you. So Sarah is just up the road from a few miles away in Devizes and it was uh, our, our mutual friend Alan Gardner who introduced us and he said you've got to get Sarah on. She's got a fantastic story. And Sarah, I'm not going to say much. Basically, you're the founder of Transformed Ministries and um, let's just kick off with that. Yeah, tell us a bit about your background. Okay, yeah, thanks for having me on, Simon. So my background is I was actually brought up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of my parents were very active in the local church. So originally I was born in Bournemouth, uh, but just before my fifth birthday, we moved to Tunbridge Wells, and that's where they joined um, an evangelical free church. And over time, Dad became a regular preacher, um, a deacon, and then finally an elder of the church. Mum was a primary school teacher, so it was really natural for her to get involved in Sunday school and all the kind of normal children's holiday clubs. So they were very active in the church. And from the outside looking in, you'd have probably thought we were one very happy Christian family uh, and that me and my older brother and sister would naturally follow Jesus. But the truth was, Dad was actually really angry and aggressive. Mm. Um, He abused my mum physically and verbally, and all three of us lived in fear of him. It wasn't unusual for us to hear him preaching in church on a Sunday morning and then witness him abusing my mum on a Sunday afternoon. So for me, the message of Christianity was really muddled and mixed up. Mm. Uh, I did enjoy going to church, um, but I think my enjoyment was more about meeting up with my friends. And there was a huge hall next to the church where we used to go and play games. Uh, and that, for me, was the highlight of my week. Um, so church was more about that than developing a relationship with Jesus. In fact, I don't even think I understood what having a relationship with Jesus was like. And I was a really sporty kid. Uh, I was one of those kids who was always playing some kind of sport, mm-hmm. whether that was uh, a school or, you know, in our neighborhood, we had a big green and all the kids would join together. And sport was my really happy place. Mm-hmm. So as a teenager, I soon got invited to to join an adult sports club. And this was the late 70s, early 80s. And, you know, seeing gay people wasn't uh, something you saw on television as much or read about. And so for this was the first time in my life I, I really encountered lesbians. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I saw on the surface was women who were actually in really happy relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, their lives weren't marked by the arguments and all the kind of fighting that I was seeing at home. And I think so, subconsciously that was giving me a message I didn't in- immediately kind of pick up on, but I was uh, aware that they seemed happy. And I continued to struggle with 
all the dysfunction at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was self-harming at quite a young age. Uh, I developed a nervous tick. Uh, I really struggled with behavioral issues at school. And, and I was an unhappy teenager. Mm. And it wasn't long after kind of joining the sports club that I started recognizing that I was having crushes on girls and I struggled to connect with boys. Uh, I was at a, an all-girls grammar school in Tunbridge Wells. And while most of my friends were talking about which boys they fancied and they were planning on dating, I couldn't connect to that. I simply didn't feel the same way. I can think of a, a time in my life when my dad and mum had just had a huge uh, row and my dad was walking out and I screamed at him. I screamed, I will never get married. I'll never have a husband. And and my fear of him and my fear of men was something that was already kind of playing out in my behaviours and my desires. Mm. But as I said, I was brought up in, in the 70s and I was actually acutely aware of what God said about homosexuality. I don't actually remember ever hearing it preached on, mm-hmm. but I, I knew it wasn't what God wanted. I remember one time sneaking a look at my mum and dad's big Bible concordance that they had. And actually I was horrified by what I read because I read that I was an abomination. Mm. And at that time, that is actually what I thought. Right. So it, it wasn't a huge step for me when I left home to go to college and I went to um, Trent Poly in Nottingham. Um, it wasn't a big deal for me to stop going to church because, you know, as I said earlier, I didn't have a personal relationship with God. I now believed I was an abomination. So it wasn't long before I threw myself into the gay scene. I found a girlfriend. um, And at college, I was out. Uh, I wasn't actually out at home with my family until a little bit later. Uh, It was actually when I was 21 that I came out to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was in an abusive relationship at that time with an older woman. So it probably wasn't a good time to tell them, but they were horrified Mm. by my choice. And therein started a very tentative relationship with my parents for for, for many years, Uh, a relationship which actually uh, was restored later in life, particularly with my mum. But I didn't look back and I eventually um, left that abusive relationship. And I drifted for a number of years out of friendships and relationships with other women. And then in 1999, I met uh, someone who was to become my civil partner. Uh, The civil partnerships were the kind of precursor to to gay marriage. Mm -hmm. And they weren't actually legal in this country until I think 2006. It might have been late 2005. But we were one of the first couples who went through uh, that ceremony. Uh, And the relationship was pretty good. Um, We had our moments, but what relationship doesn't, I suppose. And uh, we moved multiple times because I I was um, very career driven. That was where I found my purpose really in my career. Mm -hmm. And eventually we did actually end up in the Nottingham area. Uh, And all through that being career driven, I was pushing for something. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have told you what at the time, but I always had kind of this emptiness something wasn't quite right and i thought it would be filled by material things by having a good job and more money or by the actual challenge of a job and throughout that time i continued self-harm but more so i was bulimic and i struggled with with a lot of anger and anxiety like i say i I was 
unfulfilled, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you at the time. Mm. And then I had the opportunity to take redundancy from my job. And I thought, well, here's the answer. I'll set up my own business. I won't have to answer to anybody because a lot of my stress came from kind of answering to, to management. And I thought the pressure would be off and I thought this kind of unsettled feeling would go. But again, it, 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 nothing really changed and, and life went on for two or three years. Um, but one day I got home from work and I always took the dog out for a walk and I had a little digital radio, a little portable one with headphones. So I put it on, got the dog and we went off for a long work, uh, a long walk. And um, this time I didn't like the music I was listening to. It's just, I got bored with it and I pressed retune on my radio. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden this Christian song that I remembered from my youth came on and I was actually quite mesmerized by it. At the end of the song, the announcer said, okay, now we're going to have, um, I'm not sure how they said it, but, but a teaching piece. And a lady called Joyce Mayer, who obviously I now know who she was, but at the time I had no idea. Mm. And I was about to turn off, but immediately she started talking. I liked her style. It kind of hooked me in. And I listened and heard about a God who, who loved people. Mm. And at the end, I think it was probably only about 10, 12 minutes because they split the teaching down. Uh, they said, come back tomorrow to hear some more. Uh, unbeknown to me, I'd found Premier Christian Radio. I had no idea there was even a Christian radio station. And so the next day I, I got home, I grabbed my radio and I started listening in to the end of uh, that particular teaching, but then on into the end of the day. Uh, and to put this into context, I'm now 48 years old. So I've been 30 years away from Jesus. Yeah, and I was hearing about God. He wanted a relationship with me. Mm. And I started to talk to him as I was walking the dog. And it was interesting because I wouldn't have said it was praying, mm -hmm. but I was having conversations with him. Yeah. And probably three months, I started feeling him saying, I, I want you to go to church. And I, my immediate reaction was like, no, I'm not going to church. I, I'm gay and I'm not going to be welcomed. It's not a place for me. I'll carry on having these conversations with you, God. I'll carry on listening to the radio, but that's not going to happen. But, you know, God's really persistent mm -hmm. and probably more stubborn than me. So mm -hmm. in the end, I thought, okay, you know, I'll go to church. But where do you start? Um, I hadn't been to church since I was a child. And so my way was looking on the internet and looking at a church, which looked quite nice and modern, had nice pictures and was fairly close to my home. Uh, I had no idea about denominations or, or what I should be looking for. Mm -hmm. And so I spoke to my partner and I said to her, um, I'm thinking of going to church and she's an atheist. Mm -hmm. So she said, yeah, if you want to go to church, that's fine by me but don't expect me to come with you. And I said, no, that's fine. I'll go on my own. And so it was, it was in August 2014, I walked down the road and plucked up the courage to walk in the door. And believe me, it, it took a lot sure. of courage to walk in there. Yeah. Um, but God's timing is always perfect. And unbeknown to me, this was August, and it was the, the Sunday at the end of the holiday club that they'd had that week. And so there were lots of people in there, parents, grandparents, who probably normally wouldn't be there. So I didn't stand out 
Um, I was able to sit towards the back and it was a bit chaotic um, as these sort of services are, but I was able to listen and I was able to sneak out quickly at the end without anybody challenging me or my worst fear confronting me. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking home thinking I, I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I got anything spiritual from it. It was a typical holiday Bible club service, but there was a lovely atmosphere and I'd enjoyed the singing. I'd enjoyed watching the children. And I think deep down it evoked something in me from my childhood. And that started me on this kind of journey of going to church every Sunday, continuing to listen to Premier Christian Radio and starting to develop these feelings that this was something that I wanted to really pursue. But on the flip side of that, I was going to Google and I was typing in, can I be a gay Christian? Mm -hmm. Because actually that's, what I wanted to be. I was beginning to see what Christianity was and to see people who knew Jesus and people who were really filled with the Holy Spirit. But I didn't want to give up my life and my partner. I mean, we've been together 16 years at that mm. point and I, and I loved her. So I looked at probably every website, watched YouTube videos, read articles, and there was every answer from of course, you can be a gay Christian. God loves you. You don't need to change. Um, right through to full condemnation. Mm. Um, doesn't matter what you do. Even if you change now, you're still going to hell. And and everything in between. Mm. So it was a difficult journey. And I found no peace. I couldn't find peace in my heart. And in February 2015, one Sunday morning, I went to church and um, the minister was preaching and he said, have you opened every door of your heart to Jesus? And I was actually immediately convicted, not necessarily that I hadn't opened every door, but I'd never actually talked to Jesus about my sexuality. It's kind of a a thing I'd avoided. I'd asked Google, Mm -hmm. um, I'd looked at everything I could find, but I'd never actually sat down with him and said, you know, is this okay? How, How do you want me to live my life? Uh, I remember there being an altar call at the end of that service, but I wasn't ready at that point to go up. I knew I needed to to talk to God about this and mulled it over as I walked home. And over the next couple of days, it kept coming into my mind. Have you opened every door of your heart to Jesus? Um, And I knew that I had to ask God about my sexuality, but it's one of those questions that you don't want to ask because you already kind of know the answer right but eventually i did pray and you know god's so gracious isn't he he answered in such a loving way um he showed me what his best for me was and that this wasn't his best for me um how he designed me and he didn't want me to follow this path he had so much more for me and and i recognize that i recognize that what he had to offer me was much greater mm-hmm so at that point, I went downstairs. I clearly remember that um, my partner was in the living room watching television, and I said to her, "You know, can we have a can we have a chat?" And I explained to her, you know, that I'd been going to church, which obviously she knew, but that I wanted to become a Christian. And she was pretty horrified because she was an atheist and hadn't thought anything would really come of me going to church. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but she kind of was accepting again if it doesn't affect me and I said well actually you know it does affect you um and I explained to her that that meant we couldn't have a sexual relationship anymore because of of what God taught I don't think I went in any great detail at that point as to um why God said that um but it was a, a really tough conversation, sure. um, probably the hardest conversation I'll ever have with anybody. Mm. And there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of tears on, on both sides. Um, but eventually uh, I left the room. I went upstairs and I surrendered my life to Jesus. I told him I wanted to give him my life and turn my back on the gay lifestyle. I think most people, when they give their life to Jesus, say it was the best day of their life. And I think for me, it was the best day of my life, but also it was the hardest day yeah. of my life because I hadn't fallen out of love with my partner, mm. um, but I'd fallen in love with Jesus more and I wanted to honor him with my life. Actually, when I prayed my prayer of commitment, my second prayer closely <laughs> followed it was surround me with strong Christian women who can help me because I can't do this on my own. Yeah. And God was really faithful to answer that prayer. The, the church I was in had a, a, an amazing women's ministry and a ladies' prayer group. God used powerfully to nurture, you know, to, to surround me with people who would bless me, pray with me, pray for me. And there was a lot of things to navigate, but I, I, I was held. Had they known all along that you were, you were gay? Speaking to them afterwards, quite a few of them kind of gathered that I was. Mm. Um, they never said anything. They never confronted me. They just gave me a really nice space to grow and to find my own way with Jesus. Mm. So it was just a really welcoming, embracing community in general. And it's, it's nice, isn't it? Because sometimes you hear horror stories of, of how gay people are just like so spurned and rejected by the establishment, uh, the church. Uh, and yet, my, my experience of, of of gay friends and you know how how we interact with our, our gay friends, you know, it's, it's total embracing, it's total love, and 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 you know we want our church to be a place where everyone feels very welcome. So you experience the the best in a sense. Absolutely, experienced the best, and I mean God was good as well. For example, he um, the first group meeting I went to. Uh, was happened to be the day where it's like we're gonna just talk about sharing a three minute testimony and we we did a little bit of kind of background to that and then we were put into twos and I was put with a lady called Tracy and I was my heart was pounding I was mm. like I do not want to say this and her face didn't change mm -hmm. she she didn't blink an eyelid she just mm. kind of like oh okay that's fine and then she shared hers and then we hugged and that was it and and I was blown away because I absolutely thought she was going to look horrified mm -hmm. or make a comment and she was so wonderful. That's great. Yeah, so to carry on, next steps. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, I suppose next really was the journey out of the relationship because, as I said, we were, we were in a civil partnership. We were very financially codependent and emotionally codependent. Um, we'd been together 16 years at this point and there's no kind of manual guidebook on how to do this yeah. so separation was gradual and um painful for particularly the first couple of years were extremely painful but we lived together um, we shared a house for five years before god actually made a way 
for us to um, move on and um, financially for her to to buy another house. And we kept the friendship by God's grace. Um, and I was able to quietly witness my faith to her mm-hmm. over that time through the changes in me that she could see, the, the, the change in the anger, the change in the anxiety, the fact that I overcame the bulimia. Um, and I'm going to fast forward a bit, but but seven years after me, she rang me from 150 miles away and said, I'm going on an alpha course at my local church. Um, I I had to stop myself from kind of cheering down the phone, but I, I, um, I was kind of, you know, laid back about it. And then, um, a few weeks later, she actually made her own commitment to Jesus. Beautiful. So that's just the, the amazing kind of uh, conclusion to that story. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so, so going back, I, I, Given my life to Jesus, my, my partner and I are navigating what does this look like. I'm still struggling at that point with self-harm and bulimia, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know what the future holds. Uh, I knew that it would hold the uh, the fact that we would separate and move. Um, we wouldn't be together anymore, but I didn't know how that was going to happen. Um, but God, again, came in, in in a great way. I went to see a, a Christian counsellor locally. Mm-hmm just to work through some of the baggage I carried from my childhood and uh, all my deep, deep questions about, you know, why I had turned out the way I had. Um, I had this women's prayer group who walked by me, uh, walked by me. even where I worked, God had put a, um, a guy in the um, business behind me who was a Christian who'd come in and, and, and talk and his wife would then come in when she knew I'd made a commitment and she would talk for hours with me mm. uh, about Jesus and about her relationship with Jesus and was just an amazing role model. Um, and so gradually I started to grow in my relationship and to really push myself forward. I wanted to know more. Uh, I wanted this deep relationship with Jesus. Uh, and my plan wasn't to use my story for anything but god's plan was obviously starting to to fall into place and there were a series of, of different events which actually led to me being invited to share my testimony with the christian institute mm-hmm. i was able to share quite a lot of my testimony which then went out on their mailing list and on their website and that meant that a few people started to contact me they had similar stories to me but they hadn't met anybody else or they didn't know where to find support. And I also was contacted by uh, Methodist Evangelicals Together, who at that point were working very hard to counter the um, desire of the Methodist Church to embrace same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. So that enabled me to go and share my testimony at a number of events. And through all this, I was speaking to people, I was going into churches, and I was hearing that many of them felt helpless or ill-equipped to really support people who were coming out of the gay community or even people in the gay community who had questions about faith. Um, And so God called me to set up a ministry and I got three of my friends from church to act as trustees. And in November 2019, we actually formally set up Transform Ministries. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind what we do is to really just come alongside people who've got questions about faith or sexuality 
Uh, we particularly work with a number of Christians around the world. We've got uh, Christians in every continent, I think, apart from Antarctica now. Mm-hmm. And um, we meet regularly uh, via Zoom. We do discipleship together. We nurture. We hold each other accountable. And it's it's just an amazing community of people who all are in local churches and are supported to, to varying degrees, but actually just need that uh, extra community yeah. and those people where they can really open up about things that you might not normally open up about in your church life group, uh, some things which you know you need perhaps other people to talk to about. And we work with families who are praying for prodigals, mm-hmm. and we have um, some amazing groups of uh, mums and dads who meet regularly to pray for their children and their grandchildren. Uh, and we've done some uh, incredible Bible studies with those, which are actually based specifically on um, praying for your prodigals. All right. And uh, we also are able to just talk to churches and we have some training that we do. And, and my passion is spacious place because that's what I got when I went to church, uh, a place where I wasn't condemned, but I wasn't also um, kind of affirmed in that lifestyle. I was actually given that space yeah. uh, and that's what we try and encourage churches to do mm. and so yeah I, I mean that's my story in terms of a, a bit of a nine-year whirlwind but God's been good I remember the first time I went up for prayer in church after I gave my life to Jesus uh, I was given the verse you know God will restore the years the locusts have eaten mm-hmm. uh, and I believe passionately that that's what he's done because I went to church as a child I could have given my life to him then and had a totally different story but I do feel that he uses everything for his good yeah oh Sarah it's, it's wonderful to hear um and I suppose lo- lots and lots of questions come out of that which I know you're happy to answer um do you, do you think you were born gay? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, I think when I was in the lifestyle, I would have definitely have gone along with that. It's a bit of a mantra, really, born gay. Uh, and I think it's probably easier to believe than anything else. And I think sometimes a lot of people think that because they know they had their same-sex attraction from quite a young age, uh, as I did. And, and that's not a choice. We don't choose, I believe, to fancy a girl instead of a boy. So it's easier, I think, to say born this way than to think about how that might have happened, the other factors. Um, mm-hmm. But I believe, particularly when I became a Christian, that I had to look further into it. Um, and with the benefit of God's word and the benefit of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I can clearly say that, no, I don't believe I was born gay. And let me explain that to you. Sure. Um, Psalm 139 says, I fearfully and wonderfully made Mm -hmm. Uh, and i believe god doesn't make mistakes in that way Uh, but we know that the world's not how how he wanted it to be Mm -hmm. my upbringing was far from god's best because it relied on human parents and as i said in my testimony i came from a dysfunctional family one factor had a difficult relationship with my father that's another factor Uh, i was gender non-conforming in many ways, I was the girl who loved football and cricket. I hated wearing dresses. Um, I was bullied, teased by siblings. Um, so many factors that can contribute to uh, having same-sex attraction. 
And actually, I said we work with parents, and one of the things we um, have worked with them is on a book by a guy called uh, Richard Cohen, mm-hmm. and he's written a book called Gay Children, Straight Parents, A Plan for Family Healing. Mm-hmm. And in that, he identifies 10 factors as to how we experience same-sex attraction, and I actually tick seven of the 10. Right. And so do many of the people I work with. Uh, and they may not be areas where they've been really affected in a huge way, but even the smallest way can affect us. And I think there's always reasons, a sensitivity or an event that, that triggers those feelings. So for me, I don't think you can deny nurture and how that affects sexuality. Mm. Um, and I think it's a false identity that we can pick up. So. The answer is really no, I don't believe we're born that way. I believe there's a lot of factors that contribute to it. Right. Um, I mean, it's. I, I want to be sensitive and, and, and knowing we've got all sorts of different listeners and, and I, know, I know you are you are very sensitive in how you answer all these questions and, and I guess there'll be different points of view in general, but language is, is important, isn't it? And I, I, I want to get things right. You don't refer to yourself as a gay Christian I got some friends that say I'm a gay Christian some that would say I'm 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 same same sex attracted what what do you talk about yeah that's that's a really interesting question I don't like to refer to um my kind of background or that kind of former identity at all um so in John 10 10 Mm -hmm. he tells us that Jesus came so we could have life in its fullest or some translations say life in abundance Mm -hmm. and for me if i identify as a a gay christian or a celibate gay christian i think that it looks like god wants me to put up with second best um because i don't think he wants me to walk in an identity that that or or live with an identity that i can't walk in Um, so if i call myself that a gay christian gay celibate christian I'm putting myself in that position where I'm always going to be troubled. I'm going to be asking questions like, you know, what do I do with these sexual feelings? Mm-hmm. Or how do I express my sexuality in a God-honoring way? Um, even looking at how do I fit into church in a, a kind of society that's predominantly heterosexual. So I think for me, it it, it, it raises questions that I struggle to answer. But also, if I say I'm a gay Christian, I think I'm using the world's language and the mindset of the world. Mm-hmm. So the world makes gay or queer a significant part of your identity. And yeah. I think for me that's unhelpful, um, can be destructive or, or, or spiritually dangerous even. Um, you know, we're told not to give Satan a foothold. And I think if I maintain links with my old identity, it's giving him the foothold that he needs that that God warns us against. And And also, does it mean that I can't experience change because I've got this identity that I've embraced. I believe that change is possible. Um, Romans 12 talks about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And for me, I think that's seeing myself as a Christian who God's forgiven mm-hmm. and that I want to give my best to him. And, you know, that's not pursuing heterosexuality, that's pursuing holiness. Mm-hmm. But I think when my heart's postured towards Jesus above everything else, then my sexual identity um, kind of becomes insignificant. And I can ask God, you know, how do you define me? And start to live in, in his truth. Yeah. 
because he doesn't define us by our sexual attractions. He sees us in a totally different light. And, and I'm grateful for that because otherwise, yeah, wouldn't it look like he was leaving me in limbo with an identity that I can't walk in and honor him in at the same time? Mm. You know, I've had the privilege of working with a lot of Christians um, of the same mindset as me. And actually, interestingly, uh, this last year, I've seen a girl who previously identified as a lesbian uh, now dating a young man, and they've just recently uh, announced their engagement. And we've got, I mean, I worked with a, a lady who was married or with the same woman and then got married for 26 years, and she's now dating a guy. Mm-hmm. Um and others who are married, we've got a couple who are trying for their first child. And and so I see that change is possible. Right. And yes, there are people in our groups who still experience same-sex attraction every day. Um, but it does still doesn't mean they need to stick at that past identity or want to stay with their old identity. Mm. It's not all about dating, though. Um, I've also seen Christians who are, are truly at peace with, with singleness. Mm-hmm. They found... Um, communities both inside their churches and within um, groups like ours where they can actually live um, a, you know, and walk their unique journey out of the LGBTQ community. Um, but what I would say, what you said at the beginning, you know, you know people who do identify as gay Christians. I think we're all free to make choices how to pursue our own faith. And, you know, for me, I respect everybody's right to do that and identify as they feel led. Um, my personal belief is that change is possible and God changes us and that he, he will equip us to live a, a good and fulfilling life in line with the identities given us as Christians. Mm. Um, so I don't want to settle for second best and live with a, a life tied to an identity that used to define me, mm. um, I want to be who God created me to be before that sin took hold. Um, and and I, I love the verse, John 8, 36, which says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And and that's why um, I think this is so important that I identify um, just as a Christian, a mm. child of God. Yeah. And uh, we've we've touched on it already, but the, the response of the church was so important to you, wasn't it? Absolutely. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing was, I said to you, you know, I didn't need much of an excuse to run. Mm. Um, you know, God had said to me, go to church. And if one thing had gone wrong in that place, if one person had looked at me in a certain way or said anything or encountered me, I know I'd have told God, you know, you were you were wrong, I was right, um, I'm not welcome. And then I wouldn't have had that, that space to grow. Um, what I needed personally was time and space to kind of, sit in the background, look and see what faith really was Hmm. to distinguish between people who who went to church and those who really knew Jesus. And, you know, I'd had encounters. Obviously, I'd been brought up with uh, parents who went to church, but I needed to see the people who were were living that and walking and what difference that made in their lives. And so by being welcomed, not being judged, and also importantly, not being affirmed, um, I started to feel comfortable um, and I stopped having that kind of fear when I walked in the door on a Sunday morning, somebody's going to say something, somebody's going to call me out. So 
after a few weeks, I started to relax and feel welcomed. Mm. And I think it was when I started to feel relaxed that I started to respond more to what God was saying because I wasn't as fearful. Uh, and so, yeah, they gave me a spacious place. I, I Later on, at the time, I had no idea, but I came across the verse in Psalm 18 that says, he brought me out into a spacious place and he rescued me because he delighted in me. And that's exactly, I think, what that church facilitated. Mm. You know, they he brought me there into that spacious place, but then by their actions, he was able then to speak to me and rescue me. So it's so important that as churches, we, we give people that space. Mm. And, uh, yeah, you, uh, you just want everyone, gay, straight, whatever issues, just have an encounter with Jesus. And once you meet Jesus, all our different levels of identity politics sort of melt away, don't they, in terms of we're, we're, we're all sinners, we've all messed up, we all need God's grace. And, and Jesus breaks in and uh, he, he just sort of wipes the slate clean, doesn't he? Um, yeah. So tell us about, um, you know, how, what can churches do to become more welcoming to the LGBTQ plus community? I, I think for... I mean, I, I probably hear a lot of the horror stories. So sure. um, for me, it's trusting God that if we create the right environment, it, he can do everything else and not trying to be the fixers or the, the judges. Um, and to do that, I think we need to recognize we're only as good as our, our lowest denominator mm. because it only takes one person to say or do the wrong thing, which is going to absolutely put that person off coming into church if I can, I'll share a quick story with you, um, uh, which is a, a a church I know of um, a few years ago. And uh, the lady on welcome, absolutely lovely lady, slightly older lady, and a, a young man walked in and she gave him the most glorious welcome, um, kind of gushing, and said, let me show you to your seat. And he said, oh, thank you, but I'm just waiting for my husband and at that, her kind of jaw dropped and she just went, oh, and ran away right. and left this guy, stood there, kind of like, what do I do? Mm. And, you know, as far as I'm aware, that couple never went back to that church. And that was a, a very loving church, but it was one lady who didn't know how to handle the situation, who kind of spoilt it for mm. everyone. Mm. So for me, I think it's being prepared to talk about those difficult issues, you know, what whilst the leadership team might be aware that we are welcoming and we love everybody, um, what about those people on the shop floor? You know, how do they process their questions and understand what their role is within the church? And then also, we need to show, I think, greater hospitality and be prepared to answer the tough questions. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that a lot of um, People from the gay community don't feel welcomed in church. Um, and so how do we make people feel welcome and open homes to people? Uh, I work with a, a guy from Northern Ireland, and he actually tells the story of how he, he kind of hounded a local pastor on social media um, because he posted something um, which he didn't like. I think it was to do with a pride parade. And, and you know, this pastor invited him for coffee, three or four times, put up with his complaints and his anger. And then he said, come round for dinner and meet my wife. And actually, because the pastor loved him, showed hospitality, answered his questions well, he recommitted his life to Jesus. Mm. And and so it's how do we do that? How do we show that love? And, and my final point would be 
don't make this sin bigger than every other sin. It's like you said, everybody comes with something. Yeah. But sometimes there's inconsistency about how sexuality or gender identity is addressed. Um, and a lot of people are made to feel that they are the worst possible sinner when actually there's other people in church with different sins. But if I walked into church with um, my kind of the, the guy I live with, people wouldn't make assumptions. They would um, perhaps think we were married or not even think about the fact we might be cohabiting. But if you walk in with a same-sex partner as the guy did who walked in with his husband, immediately there's judgment. So we need to kind of take a step back mm. and you know, not be so judgmental and give people a chance to, to, to meet Jesus and let Jesus do the work. Yeah. Give us some sort of examples of people you've interacted with and, and what's changed. I, uh, there are so many, but uh, the, the one that really springs to mind is the lady I spoke about who had been married to the same lady for, for well, she'd been married for 26 years. Mm -hmm. And she went to a church in America and she was uh, brought into a program called Restoring Relationships. And when she met the lady who was leading it, she said to her, you know, I really want to do this, but my marriage is off the table. We're not talking about my marriage. And the lady who ran it said to her, it's fine. I'm just going to speak the truth of Jesus. And they did restoring relationships for about, I think, six months. And during that time, nothing was said about her marriage at all. And over this time, the Holy Spirit just started to convict her that this was not his best for her. So it actually was her who brought it up to uh, her leader and said, I believe this is what God's saying. How do I get out of this? You know, how do I move forward? And God literally sent a tornado. So she lived in, in, in an area in America where a tornado hit. Not one house in her neighborhood was hit apart from hers. And it um, actually damaged the bedroom that they shared. Hmm. And it led to her being able to move out and to actually then start that whole process of um, the separation and and the moving forward but it, it's just the fact that it was a tornado that came which was the answer to her prayers that led her to that position to go was just absolutely god's grace um she had a very difficult time as i did she she lived with her ex-partner for uh, a couple of years before she was able to move out um, but again by god's grace her partner has now made a commitment and they live kind of two towns away from each other um, and are still friends. But, you know, the growth in this lady is incredible. She has gone from being an alcoholic, from being depressed, from being um, really, first time I met her, she couldn't look me in the eyes. And we were on a Zoom call and she couldn't even give me eye contact to being somebody who stands in front of um, ex-drug addicts, ex-prisoners, uh, and she shares her story with them with such kind of confidence that mm. God's grace has just hit her. So um, that's amazing. She, she's done so well. Yeah, brilliant. Hey, folks, about a decade ago, we launched 13 films on radical discipleship for the More Than Conquerors book. And we've now put that on Vimeo for free. So if you want to have another go at it, or if you want to share it with new people, go to greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash 
MTC, that's for more than conquerors. My dress sense is even more outdated and it's not in HD, but it's high quality film shot in six different African countries. And so it'd be great to use in your youth group or life group or whatever. So that's greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash MTC and enjoy those for free. God bless you all. Now let's get back to the podcast. Now I've got three teenage children uh, my wife teaches at a school and you know we, we, it's, it's a generation that is just so bombarded with very strong very sort of aggressive militant um, voices and uh, yeah a number of friends whose children are battling with uh, identity and coming out as be it, be, it, be it gay or wanting to transition or um, yeah, I mean, there's the whole range, isn't there? So, yeah, can you help us? Can, can you help give some advice on navigating the pressures from school and media, social media? Yeah, I think it is such a difficult time for these children to be growing up. And, and I think as Christian parents, we can't bury our heads in the sand and we need to equip ourselves with with good knowledge. And I think particularly, well, even with the younger children now, you know, our we aware of what's being taught are we aware of what books are in the school library so i think we need to be quite open about asking for for curriculum for reading lists uh i think it's good where parents can search out other christian parents within their school community so they can set up groups to to share uh, and to pray uh, pray for the school pray for the children and if necessary even to petition local authorities about some of the the stuff that's being taught because I, I don't know about you Simon but I've seen some of the the stuff and it's totally age inappropriate and and over sexualized yeah and I think we need to stand against it and and suggest alternatives if necessary mm. um and and with your children I think starting conversations with them from an early age age appropriate but how are we talking to children about identity and helping them to feel secure in their own identity mm. um, you know there's a lot of gender stereotypical um, things that we see but you know if a girl isn't necessarily interested in the stereotypical you know playing with a doll um, makeup uh, and she likes football you know how do we ground her in her identity that that's fine um rather than allowing people in the school to say oh, you know you're a tomboy and maybe you need to question your gender maybe you need to you know look up your sexuality um so we can't expect our schools to teach a christian sexual ethic anymore so what voices are our children listening to and how can we talk to them about god's voice and god's saying and i know there are um, some good books uh, Love Wise in the UK do a couple of good books, Growing Up God's Way for Boys and Growing Up God's Way for Girls, which uh, are useful starting points for younger children. Also, what a church is doing um, and are we speaking about identity even within church youth groups and church teaching and, and not being shy of tackling difficult topics um, so that our children don't think, why is it not being talked about at church? Um, and you know, does God not care about it? Because God absolutely does care about it. So, as parents, we need to just make sure they're getting good, solid teaching all round from us, from churches, and from schools, so that they are actually prepared to stand firm in who they are. Hmm. What can Christians do to help shift culture back to biblical viewpoints on sex and gender identity issues? So, I think, um, 
it's 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 an uphill battle, and I don't think it, it's it's going to be easy. Um, I know one of the things that we do as a group is we 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 hold great value in prayer. Uh, we've had some twenty four hour prayer events, and I think you know we need to get back on our knees as a nation to be praying um, for what's happening. But also as Christians, we need to get in the conversation in a loving and a positive way. And um, we've got to stop judging and stop engaging in some some kind of unhelpful stuff. I mean, I look at a lot of social media posts and say, for example, some of the, the organizations, Christian Concern, Christian Institute might post something very harmless, but talking about uh, gender identity and then Christians come in. Uh, and non-Christians, and they start engaging in these social media battles. Mm. And I see so much intolerance and ignorance um, that it becomes really uh, embarrassing to look mm. at it as a Christian yeah. and shows a huge division even within the Christian faith. So I think we need to take a step back, um, show a united front, show the world that we truly do love each other, and and get informed because there's a lot of ignorance there's a lot of education needed, uh, understanding the Bible, understanding God's heart, and realistically expect from our church leaders to talk openly. Those who are being faithful to a traditional biblical ethic, by that I mean that, that marriage is between a, a male and a female, then they need to be open, um, teaching, talking about it, mm. uh, and taking positions or, or individual Christians can take positions where they can get involved, whether it's like I said earlier in your local school, getting a, a school group together or local councils, contacting MPs over things that are important at, at the moment, you know, conversion therapy, that, that contact your MP to talk about it. And, you know, something that's difficult for some people, but are we prepared to boycott um, businesses or films or television programs that overstep the mark um, because we're bombarded now, aren't we, on television with so much. Um, do Christians boycott that? Do Christians take a step back, talk to their friends? You know, why are you not watching this program? I think we need to be more vocal and more confident. Uh, and it's difficult in a culture where if you are against anything LGBT, you can be called homophobic. And I appreciate can be difficult, but I think we do have to stand up in love quite often. But most importantly, I think prayer. Um, we 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 believe as a th uh, ministry that prayer needs to underpin all we do, and we need to be praying for the generation and the culture, um, particularly the younger generation of today. Mm. Uh, the homophobic slur is such an easy one, isn't it? And I'm sure you've been called homophobic, yes. and I'm sure this content might be considered homophobic. And yet, all you're saying is—I mean, you've got your biblical position, but it's, you exude grace, you exude love. And uh, I know, you know there'll be people from the LGBTQ plus community listening to this. Some may be very angry, but what would you what would you say to them? I would well. Uh, firstly, I have been called transphobic for preaching that God created the male and female. Mm. Um, so I have had that slur and, and it's very difficult. But what I would say is uh, I think we have to get into the conversation and we have to dialogue and there's too much uh, people jumping in from both sides. And I would say to anybody listening, you know, let, let's dialogue and talk and we can agree to disagree. But actually, I don't believe in a God who wants us to hurt. And I can say from experience that whilst I went through some pain to get where I am now, I am just so 
much happier, so much more fulfilled. And my life is so much more exciting and enjoyable. Mm. And, and even look at the the testimony of my ex-partner now, knowing Christ. You know, God has us all in his hands. And I think we just need to allow those conversations to happen and, and be gracious with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Now you run Transform. As we come to a close, I want you to have the chance to pr- mm-hmm. pr- promote Transform Ministries a bit. What's your vision for the ministry and what should we put in the blurb? Well, we, 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 our vision really is that we don't want anyone to navigate questions of, of faith and sexuality on their own. So whether you're somebody who's already fully passionately in love with Jesus and this is something that you've you've kept hidden or that you um you struggle with yourself or whether you're somebody in the lgbtq community who's like what's this all about you know we want people to have that safe space to talk about same-sex attraction and now gender dysphoria as well Mm -hmm. um so to feel safe to ask questions to meet other people who, who are going through the same walk as you or even to find a community where you feel safe and not judged or condemned because not every church um, is yet there, sadly, which we, you know we, we really want them to be, but they're not necessarily. Um, we want younger Christians to engage in the conversation, whether they experience same-sex attraction themselves or not, but to listen to the Holy Spirit to allow Him to define understanding of our sexual and gender identity, rather than believing what the world tells us. So we want to be that place where people can come and and talk and chew things over and really um, find some of the kind of, I'm going to say answers. I mean, the answer is in Jesus, but some of the answers they might have to some burning questions, which then allow them to take that decision of faith for themselves. And, and we have a vision for having groups in churches around the world um, that's something that next year we really hope to start having in-person groups but also we want to be there for families so we know the hurt the pain my mum prayed for me for many years mm. and um, she saw the fruit of, those, of that prayer and we know how difficult it is to navigate and we know how much guilt and shame parents carry because the first question most parents will ask me is what did I do wrong and actually, the answer is they didn't do anything wrong. No. Um, but there is a lot they can do now um, to support and embrace their child as they move forward. Mm. Uh, and finally, you know, part of the vision is churches. You know, If you're a leader in a church and you're not addressing these issues because you don't know how to, you don't know where to start, we want to help you to mm. do that well. Mm. So it's kind of a, a three-fold vision. My heart says... At some stage, we'd love to be evangelizing to the LGBT community as well. But that's something for the future where I believe God's raising up leaders from within Transform Ministries who will be passionate uh, about doing that too. So we, we just want to be there for people to help them navigate this really difficult topic. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sarah Sedgwick, we cheer you on. Uh, precious sister full of grace and wisdom and yeah we wish you all the best I'll put I'll put details for people to have to be in touch with you and contact the ministry and I'm sure uh, many will guys if you have been uh, impacted stirred inspired if you want to share this with someone please do pass it on if you want to give us a great review that would that be appreciated on Spotify or iTunes you can be in touch with me on simongilbert.com I want to thank Adam Thomas Steer for the editing Mike Sandyman for the mixing 
next week a very different every, every guest is very different every story is totally different but another inspiring fantastic guest coming next week so Sarah thanks so much for your time God bless you thank you for having me thank you alright all you galore have a good week see you next time toodaloo